And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk finances with Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Luke, thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon. I'll bet you completely forgot that this is our last show before the end of the financial year because next Friday is going to be the 1st of mm. July. Yeah, look, it can't come fast enough. Um, you know, six weeks later into like the end of year for us is... Is, is all hands on deck and you know I've got to say my girls have done an amazing job of getting through copious amounts of work um, so you know I'll take my hat off to them but yeah I was only saying that before we came on air well we can just talk about that in next week's uh, no we can't <laughs> <laughs> no so, we yeah. can't because this is yeah. it um, this is so it. what should people know at the last minute before the final before the financial year actually finishes well I think that people need to keep in mind that if you haven't got contributions in by now you really are skating on pretty thin ice because they need to be cleared by 30 June and a lot of retail funds are closing or have closed their contribution window. Yeah. So check with your fund if you haven't made a contribution. Check because you'd rather keep the money and know what's going to happen than put it in thinking, oh, it'll clear before this, the 30th of June if they've already shut their contribution window. So don't assume that 30 June is 30 June. Um, if you've got a self-managed super fund, then you know you can make contributions directly into your own bank accounts, which will give you a little bit more time. But just check before you do anything because you don't want to blow up next year yeah. thinking this year will, will help you out when it won't. So, so the bottom line is that there are some things that might already be too late. Very much so, yeah. If you're going to start making BPAY payments to a retail or an industry super fund, yeah, you, you need to check with them because a lot of them, um, when you call them up, are saying you know it had to be done either by midnight tonight uh, or close the business today or, you know, those sorts of things. So yeah. just check before you do it so you can at least keep your cash. And I guess the other thing to touch upon too, and we spoke about this a number of weeks ago now, as of the 1st of July, next Friday, mm. there'll be some changes to superannuation. Yes, that's exactly right. So we spoke in a previous show about the downsizer legislation moving from 65 at the time of sale down to 60, which I think is a, a wonderful piece of legislation in light of where property prices have gone and the use of, of capital that people can have. And I also want to say this to, to put a bit of context around what's happening at the moment in markets. Super is not risky. All right? Well, I was going to ask you about that, but you've jumped, into, you've jumped the gun a bit there, but go ahead. <laughs> but this is, I guess I want to sort of say this to put some context around strategies like Downsizer. Mm. Getting the money into superannuation is a wonderful opportunity for you to start tax-free pensions, to avoid tax on earnings, and to be able to access money on a tax-free basis over 60. The act of putting money into super is not risky. Risk comes into the discussion when you talk about what you have invested in. All right? So I just want to sort of clear that up because I've had a lot mm. of people say before 30 June, oh, super's risky. Mm. But they're actually talking about the underlying investment risk. Right. Because if you put money in your own name in a bank account and you put money into a super fund bank account, cash is cash. Yes. There's no more or less risk. Yep. With cash. You yep. bring in risk when you then invest it into assets. I guess the reason this discussion is happening is because there have been a few uh, media reports in the last few weeks that uh, it is anticipated that superannuation funds on average will have gone backwards by about seven or $8,000 yeah. this financial year, and yeah. apparently that's the first time in more than a decade they've gone backwards by that degree. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that might be inspiring yeah. that discussion. But at the same time, if it's been more than a decade, it's not something that happens all the time, is it? No, and again, I, I think the biggest thing that, that experienced investors understand is that time is your friend 
and you need to put it in context. If you've just gone into a market in the last 12 months and your portfolio is showing a, a significantly negative position because of all of the challenges that the economy is facing, that, that is unfortunate, but it's just this year. And in a similar vein to the fear of COVID in 2020, we realised what was happening, we came out the other side of it and things improved. At the moment, the fear in markets is about where are interest rates going to go and what is that going to do to the broader economy, inflation and manage all of those economic pressures. But we'll come out the other side of it and we'll actually get back to what was previously a more normal level of interest rates. You know, if you look oh, back... Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. We've had 10 years of, of, of exceptional figures. Um, so if your super fund over, the, over 12 months is negative, I've got people coming into my office saying, well... We had a return here and we had a return here and things will get better and it's just a reflection of what's happening at the moment. We've got lots of time. We're not concerned about it. Yeah. And, and I think that's the context people need to keep in mind. But if you can get money into super, do so using that piece of legislation, especially mm. the other change that we're going to see from the 1st of July is the removal of the work test yes. for people up to the age of 75 for non-concessional or tax-free contributions. So, again... If you've sold your house, you've got cash in your own name and you're over 67 and haven't been able to put it in before, get it in because it'll allow you to start pensions and maximise the tax efficiency of your assets. But remember that the act of putting money into super is not risky. It can sit in cash, that's completely fine, and then you can invest in things that is in line with your risk tolerance at a time that suits you over a time frame that's appropriate. But just... I find a lot of people lump that together and they go, mm. super's risky. No, the assets in super are risky. The actual act of using the fund is just somewhere to hold an asset. Yeah, which kind of brings us to what was supposed to be today's topic. Mm. Can I retire right now? Um, if you're looking at a fund that might be uh, worth less now than it was 12 months ago, that might be a question people are asking. Hmm, is it a good idea to retire yeah. right now? Well, and, and, and I say, look, at the end of the day, Unless you're going to spend everything you have in super in the next one to two years, who cares? And I, and I don't mean to sound flippant about that, but again, we need to keep things in context. You're going to be retired for the next 20, 30, 40 years. You've got an asset base that will generate income. You've got assets that will go up and down in value. And as part of your planning for your retirement, I would expect that you would keep at least one year's living money in the bank account of your fund anyhow. So you've already future-proofed volatility by 12 months. That gives you 12 months to accumulate dividends in your fund to really future-proof the next 12 months. So you want to be thinking about how you can retire and manage your cash flow. And the, the thing I get all the time is, well, can I retire? And I look at people and say, well, what do you need to live on? And they say, I don't know. And then I flip a coin in the air and go, no, you can't retire. <laughs> oh, that's not right. Oh, well, you can retire. Oh, but I need more than that. Because everyone comes into my office and they say the following. Luke, we're just normal people. We're not extravagant. And I say, well, people have been saying that for 15 or 20 years. The deciding factor then is the next line out of their mouth when they say, we just need 50 grand a year to live on. Or we just need 300 grand a year to live on. But in their eyes and in everybody's eyes, nobody's extravagant. Everybody's normal. Yeah. I just don't know what your measure of normal is. Yes. So I, I say to people, have an idea of what you need to live on. Look at your fixed costs, look at your reoccurring expenses and the things that you need to keep the doors open. And then have a think about, well, what does food cost? 
what does petrol cost? Two very bad examples in light of what's <laughs> happening at the moment. Yeah, they but cost a bit more than they should at the moment. That's right. Nobody. It's just proof that you shouldn't be eating lettuce, right? That's yeah, just proof. That's right. Yeah, lettuce, no good for you. <clears throat> but but have an idea of what it costs to run your household. Because when you come and see somebody like me and we try and work backwards in relation to what do we need to generate in relation to income mm. and how much risk do we take on to achieve that income and that capital growth, having a good understanding of those numbers and interrogating them before an appointment adds real value to the discussions that we can have about trying to achieve that and the likelihood of being able to achieve that. And if we can't, well, what do we need to consider to do so? I think you also need to look at what you're invested in and where your income is generated from. If you've got a lot of assets that have gone up in value over time but have a very low yield, like you're getting 1% or 2% income from the asset after expenses, then you need to consider, well, is that asset still in line with my why? Why have I got it and what is it doing for me? And if you can't answer that, and I had this conversation this week with some people who said, oh, you know, we bought this house for this price and now it's worth that price and we're getting 1% income. You sort of look at it and go, well, we can get more than that in fixed interest. You know, in 12 months' time, you'll get more than that in the bank. Yes. So what is it doing for me? And the, the, the follow-on from that conversation then was, but we'd like to do A, B, and C. So you've always got to look at your asset and say, what is it doing for me? And is it in line with what we need from it going forwards? Is it paying us income? Are we holding it for capital? Are we generating good income from our superannuation? Having good, strong, reoccurring income in your super fund reduces your reliance on the value of that portfolio. So at the moment, I've got clients coming in saying, you know, it's come off, it's at this price. Okay, well, it'll come back. But we've still had a three and a half, four and a half, five percent income stream, and that's funding our pension. So we don't really care what it's worth because the income is meeting a lot of our living costs over the course of 12 months. So look at your income and look at what's getting generated. And if you're not in a fund that does so, think about getting in one that you can control. Now, one of the other factors that a lot of people may not necessarily think of when they ask the question, can I retire now, is that retirement doesn't necessarily mean that you stop working altogether. You might Mm. still do some part-time or casual work Mm. to supplement your income, and that could change the equation for you and mean, yes, I can retire if I do a little bit of part-time work. 100%. And and I think I spend a lot of time talking about people's attitude towards work and how they, they view what they do as part of their broader plan and what retirement means for them. Because for me, my definition of retirement has always been, if I chose to stop working, do I have the assets I need to be able to live the way I want? And if you want to go back and do something because you really enjoy your job or you have an interest or you've had a career change or you've decided that at 65 you'd go and get a PhD and then move into a new field, For me, as long as you can live without that money, you're still retired. You're just choosing to spend your time doing something that you like. And if you get a few bucks for doing it, then that's great. Because if I give you a choice and say, go out and work part-time and earn me $25,000, most people go, yeah, I can do that pretty easily. No problems. Save me $500,000 in your super fund. And they go, oh, that's going to take a while. That's a lot harder. But in actual fact, it's the same outcome. $500,000 $500,000 of super generating a 5% income stream will give you 25000 bucks. So is it easier to go and get a part-time job at Bunnings and work Saturday and Sunday and have five days off or keep working, save $500,000 and then retire? 
It's really about saying, how do I value my time and what can I do to get the things that I need out of life? Because you don't really need seven days to do what you can do in five. No, you certainly don't. Today we're asking the question, can I retire? So Luke, what are the key things to consider deciding whether or not we can afford to retire? I think the first thing people need to have a clear understanding of is what they need in relation to income. I find too many people come in hoping for a magic wand, if you like, or or that, that confirmation from me that, yes, we can make it happen. And when I say, well, what do we need to sort of retire on? They go, oh, I don't know. What does the average thing say on the Money Smart website? I'm like, well, who cares? Mm-hmm. You need to get what's right for you. You need to live the way you want to live. And what the ladies and the guys did at work around the photocopier, what they're living on may or may not be appropriate for you at all. So I think have an understanding of what you need and interrogate your numbers. You know, go back and maybe look at the last two quarters and, and well, what were you spending at Woolworths? A lot of the banking apps now have really good breakdowns of different categories so you can yeah. very quickly sort of sift through where your money's going. Um, I think COVID taught a lot of people that their discretionary spending is, is, is unbelievable. It's a bit tricky at the moment though, isn't it? Because in the last two to three years particularly, and of course the COVID pandemic's been a big mm. part of this, but uh, in that two to three year period, we've seen the uh, cost of living go a little bit nuts, mm. uh, especially in the last few months, yeah. um, but uh, we've seen the the price of groceries um, ex- accelerating quite significantly. We've seen petrol going through the roof in yeah. recent times. Yeah. Uh, so, And three years ago, we might not have necessarily seen that coming. So the question mm. is, if we're considering retiring now, how do we calculate the likely increases in our costs into the future? Well, look, I don't think you can because if we just sat down two years ago, as you just said, and said, well, what would meat and chicken cost in two years? Nobody mm. would have got that right. Yeah. Same with petrol. So I think if you if you were on the side of caution and maybe overestimate or look at what's happening at the moment and, and apply a 5 or 10% increase to those costs if they do occur, you've always got the capacity to be able to live the way you want. I think yeah. it's also important there to have good liquidity. I think that's what I take from the statement that you've just made there is it's one thing to generate income, but have access to some capital. If all you've got is income from a pension and you don't have any liquid assets, I think you're going to find it hard in a rising cost environment to stay on top of things. And that's where having access to some money and being able to top up those incidentals is is really important. Know where your income's coming from. Know what the income yield is on your property. Don't talk gross numbers at the pub. (laughs) Sit down and work out after rates, land tax, this, that, the other, and everything else that's going out, what do you actually get from that rental property? And is it worth keeping? Or could you use that money for something else to get a better income stream if that suits your lifestyle? Yeah. Focus on income because it'll help you sleep at night. Um, As I said before the ad break, portfolios are off in relation to their capital, but good diversified portfolios are still spitting out between three and 5% income. And if that's 5% or 4% and you're living off that from your capital base from super, as I said before the ad break, who cares what it's worth? Yeah, It doesn't matter because you don't need to sell anything to be able to live. Maximise the use of franking credits um, in your pension accounts because that's some money that the government will give back to you when you lodge your tax return. Consider part-time work as a way to fund those holidays. If you want to go to Africa on a safari mm-hmm. and it's going to cost 50 grand, we'll go and get a couple of contracts for six months do some work, bank the cash and protect the capital that you have in your various asset bases because I believe everybody wants to see the value of their assets go up and maintain their lifestyle. And if the kids miss out on some additional cash, guess what? 
We've given them enough ribbons. They don't need any more handouts. They can go and earn their own cash and you've done the yards working to be able to live the way you want to live. I don't think people need to have the primary focus be how much can I give to the kids when they want to be doing things themselves. The kids will end up with a house, they'll end up with something, they'll end up with a few dollars out of your super fund. They will be fine. They'll have superannuation all of their working life when you didn't. So make the most of the hard yards that you've already done and, and spend it on things that you enjoy doing. And a lot of what people want actually isn't expensive. All right, Luke, where can listeners get further information? 02-6260-4749. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au. Uh, we've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker. Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And that people can subscribe to the YouTube channel where we've got the show every week, the key takeouts. You can watch it on your phone, nothing to read. And there's a little bit of there for, uh, for everybody on all platforms. Fantastic. We'll catch you again next Friday. See you next week. In the new financial year. <laughs>